You're listening to a message from our Young Adult Bible Study. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you. To learn more about our ministry, go to peacechurch.cc slash youngadults. I'm going to talk about glory. Last week we introduced the topic of God's glory. Glory is a word we know Glory is a word that we use, and we use it in different contexts, so it means a lot of different things. And we want to know, what what does it mean biblically? So we we introduced that idea last week, and we'll talk more about it this week. Um, Last week we talked about what does it mean uh, for God to to be after his glory, and tonight we're going to talk about how do we fit into that picture. But first, uh, I want to know who here has seen the movie Chicken Little. Oh man, I didn't realize how much Chicken Little has influenced me until I rewatched some clips and I felt like I was like reintroducing myself or reencountering like core memories in my life. Um, there is in this movie a particular scene right after Chicken Little disappoints his father. Some of you know where I'm going. One of, one of the best soundtrack choices of all time, All I Know by Five for Fighting, starts to play. Uh, the dad is a single dad who doesn't know how to dad without his wife. And Chicken Little just wants to make his dad proud. Uh, but they keep disappointing each other. They keep wounding each other. And as the father looks at the last family portrait that they took before his wife died, The song playing says, I bruise you, you bruise me. We both bruise so easily. I love you, and that's all I know. And then as we all wipe a tear from our eye, Chicken Little climbs on his roof, and he looks at the sky, and he sees a star, and he says to the star, he prays to the star, and he says, just give me a chance. Does anyone remember that scene? You can see it in your mind. I love it. I love it. Um, I rewatched it more than I had to uh, for, uh, to get the, the details down. Um, Chicken Little says, just give me a chance. Just give me a chance to show everyone what I'm made of. Just give me a chance to make my dad proud. Just give me a chance to find out my place in this life. And what I think is very relatable in that is the drive the desire to understand our place in life. And when I was a child, that scene hit so hard. And it did as well when I rewatched it. <laughs> um, I want to know who I am. I, we all want to know who are we, what is our purpose, what's our place in life. And if we truly want to know any of the answers to any of those questions, there is a right place to go to. Life is like a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, with billions of pieces. You can't do it. But you're one of the pieces and you need to find out where do you fit in this puzzle. And if we really want to know, we need to ask the one who can see the whole puzzle. If we really want to know where we fit in life, we need to ask the one and, and seek the answer from the one who knows all of life, sees all of life, and knows how we fit into all of this. We need to go to God's revealed word to find out our most fundamental questions of life because the Bible does not answer all of our questions, but it does answer the most important questions. 
We are in a two-week series on God's glory, and last week we introduced the idea of glory, and we talked about this idea that God's glory is God's mission. God's glory is God's mission. We find ourselves in a world where God's glory, God's radiance, God's majesty, God's goodness is the most important thing to God. God's glory is the most important thing to the almighty and sovereign creator, God. And it would certainly be wrong for us to think, for any of us to think that we're the center of the universe, because we're not. And it is right to think that he is the center of the universe, because he is. God's glory is God's mission. And today we're talking about how our sanctification, our growth in life is also for God's glory. So we'll talk about that. Uh, would, you, would you pray with me before we go to scripture? Father, we pray for you to speak through your word tonight. God, I pray that you are with us in our conversations and I pray that you give us safety on the way home tonight. God, thank you just for this time to open your word and talk about it with those that we um, are brothers and sisters with. So God, we just pray for your grace tonight. In your name we pray, amen. This is what we're reading. If you have a Bible, we go ahead and open to it because we'll talk about it in our discussion groups after I read it. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. Philippians is a letter written by Paul, an early church apostle. And he says this to the Christians in a town called Philippi. He says this. Towards the start of the letter, he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So Paul starts writing this letter to the Philippians. As he is taking a second, he starts this letter to share the joy that he has because of the Christians at Philippi. And then this prayer of his just breaks out. It is my prayer that your love may abound with knowledge and all discernment. So that word love is there and our culture has a million different opinions on what love is. Love is not what we are told to think. Love is not an emotion. Love is an action accompanied with emotion. Love is not an emotion. Love is an action accompanied by emotion. So when Paul says, may your love abound, he is not saying, I hope you grow in, a, in mere affection for one another. What he's saying is, I hope you all grow in love, in serving each other's best interests with joy and affections. Love is an action accompanied by emotion. So affections are not the foundation. Rather, our joy and affection 
stand on the foundation of action. That's what love is. Action accompanied with emotion. May, he's saying, may your love abound. He's saying, may your service to one another abound. And then he prays that knowledge and discernment would follow along. So serve one another in godliness with abiding joy and with knowledge and discernment. And so love is never alone, but it's accompanied by joy. And in in order for love to be more full, in order for love to be forceful and powerful, we need knowledge. That is why he prays with knowledge. He wants their love to be effective and powerful, to have force to it. That's what knowledge gives our, our love and our actions. It gives a reason for our love. Um, knowledge of God and his word, knowledge of God's word produces love for God and for each other. Knowledge of one another, knowing someone deeper produces more love for that person. When you know someone, when you know what makes them happy, you can love them better. When you know what makes someone angry, you can love them better. When you know someone's sin, you can love them better. Love is an action accompanied by rich emotion and it is made more full by knowledge. And we see this in Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ's love was an action on the cross. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is an action, not a feeling. It's an action, but it is accompanied by feeling. The Bible says that he did it for the joy set before him, so it's an action for joy and with knowledge because he knows us, he knows our joys, he knows our neediness, and he knows our cure himself. Love is an action accompanied by rich emotion and made more full by knowledge. And Paul's hope, Paul's hope for the church in Philippi, for the Philippians, is that their love would produce a few things in their community, namely these things. He says, may your love abound so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ and filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus. He says, may your love abound so that you can approve what is excellent, so you can know what is good versus wrong. But I think it's more, it's actually more than that. I think it's what's excellent. Not just telling from good from wrong, but telling what is right among appropriate options. Not just what is a good thing, but what is the good thing? What is the right thing? And filled with the fruit of righteousness. So it goes from knowing to being filled with the fruit. It goes from realizing to doing. May your love abound so that you can, you can not only realize the right things, but also do the right things. Realize the right things and do the right things as a result of their love growing. So love is an, an action accompanied by deep emotion and made more full by knowledge. 
resulting in not just realizing the right things as we grow in knowledge of God's word, but also doing the right things. And that is us growing. So it has our sanctification in mind. May your love abound, may your knowledge in God's word abound so that you can actually grow as a person. So you can grow closer like Jesus. And this is the kicker. All of that serves a purpose. Loving, abounding, joy, knowledge, righteousness, your sanctification, all of us growing closer to be more like Jesus. And the purpose of all of that, the purpose of our lives, he prays to the glory and praise of God. God's glory is God's mission and therefore everything is oriented towards him. Everything is ultimately oriented towards God. If his glory is his mission, then everything he's working through and in is ultimately for his glory. Our growth in this life is for his glory. That is not to say that there are not uh, sub-purposes in our lives. For example, uh, that's why we say for the glory of God and our eternal joy because our joy is a part of God's purposes and, but that purpose is like a sub-purpose that serves the ultimate purpose which is God's glory. So there's tons of sub-reasons for, for living a certain way and growing in a certain way um, but ultimately it is the glory of God. Um, joy is a reason that Paul is writing what he's writing. He's, he's saying, my joy is in you. My joy is growing for you. Um, you. You give me joy. But the purpose of that joy is ultimately the glory of God. Um, our joy is a good thing, but it's not the end goal. It's a means for the glory of God. So if you think of a good thing, like a reason for doing something, it is a good thing but it serves the greatest good thing, which is God's glory. Romans 8, 28 tells us, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Such a good verse. In essence, that verse is saying, all things work for your joy, for your good in God and for God's glory. So God's glory is God's mission. Therefore, our lives, our joy, and our growth is ultimately for God's glory. Just places everything in that framework. Uh, Brother Lawrence, I'm assuming no one in here has ever heard of Brother Lawrence. You're about to. Uh, Brother Lawrence was a 17th century monk. And he wrote one of the most profound books on the presence of God. His life was incredibly mundane and simple. Every day, he would wash dishes and fix sandals. That's all he did. Every day, would wash dishes and clean sandal or wash, fix <laughs> all of the above sandals. And he knew that even doing the most mundane things, the simplest things, could be for God's glory. 
he wrote, it is enough for me to pick up but a straw from the ground if it is for the love of God. It is enough for me to pick up straw off the ground. And we all think of a straw. He means like a useless piece of straw. Like bedding for an animal. I'll pick it up if it's for the love of God. Nothing is too small because everything serves an ultimate purpose of glorifying God. And every step, even the most mundane moments, serve a clear purpose to glorify God ultimately. And there's beautiful reasons in between all of it. There's wonderful goods and reasons and joys for us to live our lives and do the simple things. But they follow this chain of ultimately being for the purpose of God's glory. That's what we see in the Bible, in the gospel. God is leading us to many wonderful things, but they all serve the ultimate purpose of God's glory for our good. So it's obvious when a profound life-altering thing is for God's glory. Like obviously that life-changing moment is God-glorifying. But what's not so obvious is that the smaller things too serve that ultimate purpose. Because they all string together to make up your life a God-glorifying image bearer. So take a small mundane, mundane task. The mundane task I thought of was cutting an onion. Just a simple, annoying thing to cut up an onion. Why do you cut an onion? For the purpose of making a meal. That's the purpose of cutting the onion. But why do you make the meal, right? You cut the onion to make the meal, and that's true, but it does not stop there because why are you making the meal? Well, you're making the meal to serve your family. Well, that's true, but it doesn't stop there. Why, why are you trying to serve your family? Because you want to enjoy their company. You, you want to enjoy good food. You want to grow closer as a family. You want to nourish them with food. You cut up the onion for not just making the meal, but for all of those greater purposes. But there's even even greater purpose in all of those things. Why do you want those things? to submit to and glorify the God who has given you such a privileged responsibility to love your family. You're never just doing something mundane. You're always ultimately glorifying God. We become glorious by beholding the glory of God. When our knowledge of God grows, when we have our focus on him, it transforms our lives We could not do that before God regenerated our hearts and minds. That's why we say, for God's glory and our joy, he's at work always. So, I have one quote and then one idea, and then we'll go to discussions. Here's the quote, John Piper. John Piper says, it's a long quote, but it's really, really good. John Piper says, Our glory is God's glory. Our glory is ultimately God's glory. Our joy is God's joy. He has infinite goodness, joy, holiness, and glory. And we were made to reflect it. Not create our own or reflect a different glory, but image and reflect 
his glory and joy. We become what we behold, and we are meant to behold God in all his holiness, glory, joy, and goodness. And as we see in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, which I want to read again. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. As we see in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, the joy we have in community, the joy we have in food and fellowship, the love we show each other, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the growth that we go through, the accountability we give each other, the encouragement and challenge that we give each other, all of it is for God's glory. They are all good, but they're not good in and of themselves. They're good, but they're not the end. They're a means for God's glory. So, Philippians 1, 9 through 11, um, we're gonna spend some time, read it in your groups, uh, ask yourselves these questions. What sticks out to you in the passage? What comes up when you read it? What uh, from this passage uh, can you glean to tell you about Jesus? What does this uh, passage tell you about Jesus? And then spend some time looking up these verses and discuss how all of life is oriented towards God's glory. Uh, and there's the verses to look up. Ooh, darn it. The <laughs> it should say Romans fifteen seven, and then Second Corinthians four fifteen. I don't even think there is a Romans fifteen seventy two. I'd be astonished. Okay, so Romans fifteen seven, and then Second Corinthians four fifteen, um, and then the the rest is self explanatory. So um, we're, we're gonna discuss in our groups for about thirty minutes or so. And then we'll end uh, praying for each other because that's what Christians do. Uh, So yeah, enjoy discussing together.